And Father, I pray that God, this morning, Your presence will be so tangible and so real to us. Lord, the very love of God would touch our hearts and move us closer to You. Thank You for the privilege and the freedom we have to worship You, to praise Your name, to magnify You. And everyone said, Amen. Awesome, welcome, welcome. So something a little bit different today. Acoustic time. So I want to hear you guys singing top of your lungs. Not for me, of course. Let's praise our God this morning.
you're sounding great. Awesome. Great to see you this morning. Why don't we take a few moments, just do something a little bit different. Hop out of our chairs and say hello to one or two people for a few moments. What about that? We'll take a few moments to do that. Find our seats and wonderful to see you. Give you a really warm welcome this morning. Pastor Sheridan and Jan are having a break. So they're taking some time to refresh, which is really, really cool. If you're a visitor, if this is your first or second time at Activate Church, we'd love to give you a visitor's pack. It's got a coffee card and some other details there. So if you're a visitor, if you can pop your hand up, the host team will come by you. Great to have you with us this morning. Fantastic. Church, can we give our visitors a warm welcome? Fantastic. Great to have you with us. Wonderful. Well, who's had a birthday or wedding anniversary over the last week? Any birthdays? One at the back? Hendrik, of course. Hendrik, 21. Come out here with me, my friend. God help. 21 as well. Ben, fantastic. Yeah, come out to the front, guys. Wow. And I'm going to do something. Wow. How old are you, sweetie? Five. Wow, very special birthday. I'm also going to ask Brittany to come up as well. Brittany's come over all the way from Australia, so let's give her a warm welcome this morning. Hendrik's got the whole basket. I hope he does give some away. <laughs> Okay, church, let's stand to our feet as we pray for these guys this morning. Why don't you follow me? Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's give them a big hand. Have a wonderful year, you guys. Great time of celebration. Phil Strong is in Lower Hut ministering there this morning, so that's great for him. And guess what? Shortly, we're going to be starting Activate DNA class. If you'd like to know more about the church and the life of the church and how we're interconnected with the Acts movement, I'm going to be leaving very shortly and invite you to join with me as we go upstairs and have a bit of a chat to go through there. There's some really nice drinks and food. Nari has got some jelly tip chocolate. So if you'd like some of that this morning, you can come right out and join with me. If you're part of the Faith 101 class, I invite you to come out with the team too. That's going to be awesome. Joe Poe and Lana got engaged. Wow. Are you guys here? Yeah, over the back. Okay. I think you better, yeah. Come up, guys. Let's give them a big hand as they come. 
you can take heaps of chocolate. So, Jopo, all the ladies want to know what you did. <laughs> um, I, uh, we climbed a mountain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Started raining. So, uh, it, was, it was romantic ass. So. <laughs> That's your vision too? Yeah, just like that. Congratulations to you guys. That is awesome. Well done. Next Sunday in our 10.30 service, we have a special service titled We Are Family. So it's going to have a few different things in there. So come along and invite friends and family. It's going to be a wonderful time, which will be very cool. And who can remember Ian Green from Activate Conference last year? He's going to be here the last weekend of July. So I really encourage you to come along and be part of that. On the 25th, I think it is, there is a Saturday seminar. So I can invite you to RSVP at the Hub and uh, we're going to have a wonderful day with him, so that's very cool. So great stuff. Well, we're going to have a testimony from Lance, but before we do that, Church, can I ask you to stand? I've had a call from Pastor Sheridan this morning. Um, Margaret Wilson is not too well, and so he's asked if we would pray for her. So I think it would be great as we stand and unite our faith together, believing for God to touch her with healing power. So, Father, we stand in your presence this morning. And, Father, we thank you for the Wilson family. And, Lord, we particularly lift Margaret before your throne of grace. Father, we pray that you would touch her with life and health and healing. That, Lord, every disease and sickness would leave her body. And that, Lord, right now, your presence and your anointing would be upon her. That she would have a full and complete recovery. Lord, we declare this and give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks, guys. You may be seated. Thanks, Lance. A few weeks ago, I had the, um, uh, I don't know whether it was a pleasure, but I had the, <coughs> yeah, I'll say the pleasure of um, visiting South America. Um, and I went to Chile and to, Bo uh, to Colombia. Now, I was quite probably a little bit um, scared, I'll say the word is, um, going to Colombia, knowing that it, uh, it, it's supposed to be a bad place. And I found out that we were, we were visiting a, um, a city in Colombia called Medellin, which 10 years ago was the worst city in the world for murder, rape and kidnapping. Um, I think they've cleaned it up a little bit now. There's, there's only one kidnapping a week as opposed to eight a day, so <clears throat> I think they've cleaned it up a little bit. So I had this apprehension about going there. Um, the other thing in the back of my mind, which I never thought about until I actually got there, was that, uh, especially in, in, in Colombia, 87% um, of the population are Catholic. And, um, you know, I've, I've always had these um, um, crazy thoughts about Catholics. And um, I'll get there. I'll get where I'm going in a minute. <clears throat> One of the things that I really noticed over there was that um, whenever we drop into a, uh, into a taxi or a, or a vehicle to take us anywhere, they did the old, you know, genuflect. And I thought, and then they drove like absolute idiots. And I'm going, <clears throat> where does this come from, you know? I mean, does this save you from having a crash? No, because the first day we were in Bogota, we saw six accidents. Um, three of them are motorbikes spread all over the road, and the other three were just cars on cars. <clears throat> and I thought, yeah, this is a really, really good place. <laughs> and it reminded me of a, um, of a book I read ages and ages and ages ago, and there was a, there was a, a statement in that book 
Um, it was something about the Catholic Church anyway. It was something, a statement in that book by a guy called, I think his name was Sandu Singh. And he said something like, um, I was sitting on the side of the river one day and I picked a rock out of the river and I broke it in half and the inside of the rock was dry. And um, he was talking about the Catholics. And he said, uh, this is what I find with, with men. Um, they're surrounded by Christianity, but the Christianity doesn't get in. <clears throat> and I thought, okay, so that was my mindset. Okay, so you understand where I'm coming now? <clears throat> so anyway, one of the days we were there, the day about day eight or something, we um, had the opportunity to, to visit the salt mines in Bogota. Now, uh, for me, um, I, I understand New Zealand history, and I know that it goes back a couple of hundred years, but I don't, I don't understand that long-term history. I, I just have, it's not in my DNA to, to, to go back thousands of years. These salt mines were originally started by the local Indians um, a thousand years ago. And, um, and the Spanish rocked up about 500 years ago and, and, and they really started mining them <coughs> um, you know, in a big way. So you know, 500 years of Spanish history and a thousand years of, of um, I guess, the local Indian history was there. So we, we um, rocked up to these salt mines and uh, we decided to go for a walk in them, which is, you, you've got to pay to do this and you get taken in by a guide. You walk about a kilometre into the into the, in, underground. You go about 185 metres underground. Um, the, the the passages are huge. They're massive, massive, massive. But all the way through, um, there are stations of the cross. And I'm going, wow, this is awesome. You know, they just cut out of rock. There's a, a cross here, and this is where the place where Jesus fell, and and this is where the place that he got up again. And it just went right through the whole stations of the cross until it got to the end where they hung him up on the cross and that's where it stopped now in in my faith it goes on from that as we well know you know Jesus rose again <clears throat> and I'm going yeah this is the Catholics they just believe that uh, you know Jesus is still on the cross anyway at the end of this massively long tunnel there is a, a cathedral and it's called uh, Cathedral de Sol, which is the Salt Cathedral. And uh, the, the writings that I've got of it say that it will seat about 5,000 people. I sort of debate that. I think you'd be quite squashed up if you were to seat 5,000 people there. But it's massive. And um, Linda's put a picture up on the, on the screen there of the cross that is at the back of that cathedral. Now, I took that photo from around about 150 metres away. Um, that cross is between two and a half and three stories high, and it's cut into the rock. So that gives you some idea of um, of what was going on, what's what's going on there. There are two other um, smaller cathedrals in there as well, and I just thought, you know, God has done a lot of work here, a lot of work here, and 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 who am I to 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 criticise um, the Catholics? Because God actually loves us all. And he loves the Catholics and he loves me. And, and I'm going, these people must love God because look what they've done. You know, that's about 200 years old. I'm just going, man, my thinking is so wrong. You know, at the end of the day, God loves us all. doesn't matter whether we're Anglican, Presbyterian, Activate people or Catholics. God loves us all. And it's our responsibility to love him back. Thank you. Great, thank you so much, Lance. Well, if there are children here, there's a movie playing in the youth hall, so I invite you to go to that right now. 
And also, um, before Jackie comes and shares communion with us, if the Activate DNA class and the Faith 101 want to go out into the foyer, uh, that would be cool. So let's give Jackie a hand as she comes and shares communion with us. everyone. Um, got the ushers, yeah, hand out there. Communion, thanks. Um, today I'd like to share about the power of forgiveness and the greatness of Jesus' sacrifice with his body and blood for our freedom from the debt of sin. In Matthew 18, we all know that story, don't we? At 21 to 35, it talks about the parable of the unforgiving servant. Forgiving debt of those who sin against us. Jesus said that we should forgive seven times seventy. In the parable, the king said he took pity on the servant who cancelled the debt and let him go. The servant went and demanded from his fellow servant, pay back what you owe from me. And we know how the king got angry and said that the servant that who did this should be put in jail and told to pay back all the debt that he owed. So this morning I want to talk about the debt. Jesus forgave us. Through his love and mercy he forgave our sins and cancelled our large debt and gave us freedom. We actually owe nothing. We have that freedom. When we feel hurt or offended, we say, they owe me. Well, how was I, I was treated badly and they owe me an apology or they should pay. Often people think like that. We've all done it, owing us an outstanding debt. When we forgive others the debt we believe is owing, the debt is then cancelled, paid, so no one has to pay the price of going to a place like prison. They owe us nothing. For example, if someone came off the street and knocked on your front door and said, today I'm going to pay the debt for your house. You're going to be debt free today. And that means you owe nothing. That means not a little bit, not even one dollar. You owe nothing to the bank. In about 2007, I had a dream. And it was one of those God dreams not a pizza dream. It was a dream where I took note of what God was saying. At that time, there was a person that had hurt me and offended me. And I felt I'd forgiven them in my own way, but in a sense I felt they owed me an apology, which is like owing a debt. I'll tell you the dream. I was in the car, and the car stopped outside a bank, and I got taken inside this bank and I was standing in front of the teller. Behind me was the person that I felt owed me something that I hadn't fully forgiven. The teller said to me, there's a debt that needs to be paid. So I, in the dream, I'm looking for my checkbook 
was a while ago. I didn't have a bank card. <laughs> so I pull out my, my checkbook and I'm writing out this check. And the person behind me is trying to look. And I'm going, no, this is awkward. Trying to write out this, writing out what I thought this debt amounted to. You know, it's funny how we believe the other person owes us so much, but when we offend people, we think it's little, but to them it's big. Anyway, the teller said, sorry, but it's, it's not enough, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't write enough. So someone else came, in, came round behind the, the counter and came up to me, took me by the arm and took me aside, and I'm going, but, but I'm saved. I'm a believer. How come? And at that moment I woke up and I knew that I had to forgive this person. So I did. I wrote them a letter and I said, sorry, I forgive me and I forgive you and I release you from that debt. Forgiveness is releasing the debt and they owe us nothing. Forgiveness, unforgiveness, is like saying, drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. That's an old saying. Quite interesting, isn't it? Jesus said that paid the highest price for forgiveness from sin with his blood, cancelling all debts. In Hebrews 9.22 it says, The law requires that nearly everyone be cleansed, everything be cleansed, sorry, with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Let's pray, shall we? Jesus, I thank you that you paid the highest price with your blood to cancel all sin and debt. Thank you for your body given as the greatest sacrifice. Jesus, is there anyone in my life that I need to forgive? for making me feel they owe me for hurting or offending me. I'm going to pause now as you consider who do I need to forgive and release the debt that I feel they owe me. Father, please give me the grace to choose to forgive them for hurting me and release them from all debt. They owe me nothing. That's a big fat zero. Today I choose to bless them. Amen. You may now take your communion. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Church, how about we all stand together and we're going to continue with our worship. Thanks, band. Thank you. Now, the beautiful thing about what she just shared was that in the Old Testament, the way that Israelites would come before God was first they'd come and they'd bring a sacrifice. And then that sacrifice, the blood would cover them and then they could come before God in His presence. And this morning as we've remembered what He has done and the blood that covers us and our sin, 
we can now enter into his presence boldly and worship him. So I encourage you as we fix our eyes on him, reminder this morning as we try to magnify God, it's not about making God bigger than he is. When you magnify something, it allows you to see it more clearly and it makes it bigger in your own eyes. So may that be your prayer this morning that as we worship our God, as we magnify him this morning, that he would become bigger in our eyes and we would see him more clearly. Thank you, Jesus.
declare that You are Lord. Lord, we declare that You are God Almighty that reigns. Lord God, today we come together as a church to declare that You are a Lord. I think that's such a powerful statement. You are Lord. Because what you're saying is those situations, those areas in your life, those things that are just complicated, too hard, too difficult, those struggles that you go through, that's a declaration that's saying God is Lord over all. That God is Lord over everything that you're walking in, everything that you're going through. Our declaration is that He is Lord. So we no need to be afraid, no need to be scared, no need to worry because God is Lord. So church, why don't we declare together that God is Lord as we sing and continue to sing and lift our Lord up for everything He's doing. worship you this morning Lord God we lift you up we declare that you are Lord Lord I pray that as we open your word this morning Lord we would all have a revelation Lord God that you are Lord and because of that we can proudly follow you we can walk along behind and follow you in every area of our lives Lord God, I pray that you would speak to every single person this morning about where you need to be Lord of. And Lord God, that we would just know you closer and dearer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can take a seat, church. And it is my absolute uh, pleasure to invite uh, Rex Meehan up, and uh, if you don't know Rex Meehan, is I, I've been uh, around church and going to conference for about five years, um, for meeting people all over New Zealand. If you just say Rex Meehan, everyone has got like a tie. It's, it's just absolutely incredible. The amount of uh, work and just the honour that is talked around this whole country uh, because of Rex Meehan and what you've done um, for Christians and for the nation of New Zealand is actually incredible. And uh, even from the young to the old, everyone has a story about how you've impacted their lives through Bible college and heaps of things. So church, why don't we honour Pastor Rex Men as he comes in and shares this morning. <laughs> Thank you so very much, Luke. <laughs> yes.
Amen. <laughs> Thank you so very much. Well, the theme for Activate... Oh, by the way, wasn't that fantastic worship? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Fantastic. You can do that every Sunday, if you like. <laughs> you just feel the goodness of God, don't you? Being present here with us. And that's the theme for Activate Church this year. Goodness of God. The goodness of God with a capital G, because we're talking about God is good, the goodness of God. You, you know the refrain, don't you? The response, God is good. All the time. All the time. All the time. And the Don Muin song, great song. God is good. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good. The, through the darkest night, his light will shine. God is good. All the time, God is good. Hallelujah. Right. I'm having a real echo here, Jason. I don't know what it's like down there, but it's booming. It's okay down there? Yeah. All right. Ooh, power. <laughs> uh, while I was on staff here, in, um, when it was this Eastside Church, uh, it was decided that the best use of my time was to spend time with men's ministry. And I wasn't really inspired by that because I thought it, they meant it as a kind of a problem-solving ministry. And uh, that didn't appeal to me, so I prayed about it. And God gave me a strategy that really inspired me. So I began to make in, uh, appointments with the businessmen in the church, and we'd go out and have a cafe, lunch or morning or afternoon tea, and during the chatting away that we had together, I would quote a couple of scriptures to them. The first one was Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. And uh, this is a scripture that Pastor Sheridan has been preaching on the last two times that he's spoken. And he's emphasized the first two verses, verses 8 and 9. And last week he gave a fantastic teaching uh, on, on the grace, the gift of God is... Uh, is, is the grace of God and grace has been activated in our lives because we believe. You know, great Bible teaching on grace. And this morning I want to focus on verse 10. So this is how it reads in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's a powerful scripture. Unpack that soon. Then there's a second scripture that I would quote to them in Ephesians chapter 4, which is Paul describing the role of the servant leaders that have been given to the church. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Of course, rather than just quoting those scriptures, um, I would have a kind of a, a general introductory chat and, and we would talk together. Reese, I wonder if you could stand here and... <laughs> so we're having our coffee and we're just chatting away and then, then I would say um, 
reached, you know that we're, we're saved by grace through faith. And uh, there's nothing that we could do about that ourselves. It's a, it's a gift of God. And uh, there's nothing that we can boast about it. God's grace. And also, Reese, you are God's workmanship. You're a masterpiece in process. And God has created you to be able to do good works because he wants you to be the ongoing part of his process of doing good. And before you were ever born, God designed certain good works for you to do. And uh, you're expected to do them. Now, I'm a servant leader of the Lord Jesus and it's part of my job and ministry to help you identify what your gifts are, what your ministry is, and to sort out what some of those good works are that God wants you to do. And so we're going to sit down and talk about that now. So, <laughs> so then we would chat away for a little while and I would try and draw out from Reese what he believed his giftedness was, what his ministry was, and to try and imagine what some of the good works that God had dreamed of for him to do long before he was born. And it was a fantastic experience for me to do that with, with businessmen in, in the life of this church. Um, I felt like a spiritual... Um, career advisor. <laughs> very fulfilling for me. Yeah. Thank you very much, Steve. Didn't he do well? <laughs> you know, and one of, the, one of the most important things for us to do in life is to find out what God had in mind for us to do before we were born. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? Just amazing. So last Sunday, Pastor Sheridan emphasized that when he sees the potential in people, he likes to release and activate it. Do you remember him saying that? And he said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. It's between you and God. You're the ones that have, are the drivers and the steerers for this. But I'll help you. I'll encourage you to do that. So that's part of our role as Christian leaders, to help you be equipped for the good works that God has designed for you to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10 in the Good News Bible, it's another rendition of the same text. God has made us what we are, and in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. Awesome, eh? Awesome. So Paul tells the Ephesian Christians that God has been working in our lives like a, a craftsman working on a piece of art or, or like an uh, uh, artist doing a painting or a sculptor or a, a musician composing a song. God is creating a masterpiece. And he's doing that so that we can join in with the creative process of doing ongoing good works that will result in the redemption of the world, the saving of men and women, and, and the stewardship of our world, and transforming it through the good deeds that he's designed for us to do. I guess it's similar to the old-fashioned family business, when the father of the family wanted his sons to take over operating the commercial business. So the, the, the father would build into his boys the values of the family, uh, he would send them off to school, 
get their training, then he'd bring them into the business and give them an apprenticeship. So they were learning the whole business until the time came when the father would bring the boys in to be partners with him to carry on the role of this family business. That's what God does. God takes us, he redeems us, he brings us into a relationship with him, he instills his values into us, and then he invites us to be part of his ongoing great plan to save the world, to redeem humankind, to begin to steward the whole earth and do his good work. And the model for doing good work is our Lord Jesus himself. He was the one that went around doing good. Let me read to you. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. God appointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now imagine that. Jesus dynamic, energized with the power of the Holy Spirit. What does he do with this? He went about doing good. He went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus did good. That's what he did with the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. He just went about doing good. I wonder what doing good looks like to you. To Jesus, he cared about people. Jesus cared about those that were hungry and thirsty. Those that were naked and homeless, those that were physically and emotionally sick, those that were widows and orphans, strangers and prisoners, poor and oppressed. These are the ones that Jesus cared about and he did good for. Did good for. And he's taught his followers to do the same thing. In the Sermon on the Mount, he made this statement in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So how do we let our light shine? How do we glorify our Father in heaven? Through our good works. Do good works. You see, when Jesus was on earth, he lived out his life as a carpenter in Nazareth in Israel. That was his career, his profession. He was a carpenter. He lived out his life like that. Today, Jesus lives out his life as a systemsware technician, as a doctor, a teacher, a checkout operator, a homemaker. Jesus lives out his life through us and whatever we do, whatever we get involved in. So before we were Christians, we could do whatever we liked. But once we become Christians, there's only one occupation for us, only one thing that focuses our lives, and that is serve Jesus. Honor the Lord Jesus in all we do with his values and with his intention and his glory in mind. That's all we do. We carry on doing our profession we carry on being good neighbors. We carry on being a teacher or a secretary. But we are doing it for him, serving him. So what does doing good look like to you? 
What does doing good look like to you when, when your spouse is sick and tired of being sick and tired? Uh, what do you do when, when your neighbour, your disagreeable neighbour is pushing the boundaries? Uh, what do you do when your work colleague is overwhelmed and wants to quit? What good thing do you do? What good thing do you do when your kids are grumpy, winter colds and runny noses? What good do you do? What good thing can you do for Jesus if your employer or your head of department or your school principal is falsely accused and you know the truth? What do you do? I want to give to you two ways that we can respond to situations in life that I hope will help you to do the good thing, to follow the model of Jesus. And I know of two ways, and I want you to think of a different, difficult situation in your life right now, something that you're grappling with, something that's a problem or a difficulty. Would you think of that as we go through these two points and see if there's a clue here for how you can be good, do good, like Jesus did? The first one is that we imitate and we serve Jesus by being his representative servants and minister to meet the needs of other people on his behalf. And we do it as though Jesus was doing it through us. And we do it for them. We do the works, we say the words that Jesus would. And that's the way that Jesus did things. You see, he said that we would see the Father at work in the works that he did. And we partner with Jesus and become his hands and feet to help those in need. We perform service for him. We perform service with him. We behave the way that Jesus would behave. That's one way that we can demonstrate goodness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 Paul writes to the church in Colossae and says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever you do in what you say and in the actions that you're doing, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it as though it's for him. Do it as though it's with him. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do everything for him. Now on the PowerPoint, we've got a picture of a wristband. Would you like to turn to your neighbor right now and tell your neighbor what that means? What does WWJD mean? You all know about it? What was it? <laughs> what would Jesus do? Yeah. Hey, that's a, that's a good way of doing stuff on behalf of Jesus, isn't it? Doing stuff for Jesus. What would Jesus do? It's based on the uh, book by Charles Sheldon called In His Steps, uh, which was a novel in our teenage years. And I suppose Roger and Karen, it was re required reading for us as teenagers, young Christians. And uh, I see that it's now online and you can get it as well. What would Jesus do? So it's part of... Uh, it's part of church life to do stuff for Jesus. 
One of my roles as the tutor at Vision College is to visit interns around the lower part of the North Island and, and around the Waikato. And I want to tell you, it's a great thrill to go into churches and talk to the ministers and the interns and to see what God is doing through Christian organizations around the country. So I go to the Taupo Baptist Church and I go to uh, Fielding River of Life and uh, Masterton Salvation Army and the uh, Hawara Presbyterian and the Stratford Baptist and, you know, rural New Zealand, among the city, as well as the cities that I go to as well. And it's great to see how the churches are doing the work of God, doing good, Has budgeting services, visiting the elderly, providing mainly music programs, going to visit the prisons, wonderful things. Jesus is alive and well in rural New Zealand. Hallelujah. It's great to see that. Doing good in the community. And we here in Activate Church doing good on behalf of Jesus. Transforming and changing lives. Hallelujah. And, and we celebrate that in our culture. We applaud those people who meet needs. Um, Sunday nights after TV1, they have the good sorts cameo of people who do good things. And, and Seven Sharp. TV program will often just feature some good thing that's happening. I, just, uh, just the other week they were talking about a Christchurch businessman who decided the city could do something for the country because during the earthquake all the farmers came in with their machinery and just spent hours and just cleaning up and supporting the people. So the farmers up around Cheviot are still going through a huge drought so this businessman started a Facebook and in the first week he raised $50,000 of feed for the farmers in, in North Canterbury. Just, just good, eh? Good deeds. And the other week we celebrate National Volunteer Week. And wonderful what volunteer organisations are doing. Uh, they highlighted the uh, Cambridge Lions Shed where there's about 60 people who just gathering stuff and sell it and they gave $150,000 to charitable organisations in the wider Waikato area. Just amazing volunteer work and churches. This church, the great shame of course is that people are becoming too busy and a lot of these organisations are running down and having to close but we as Christians, we will carry on doing good. Hallelujah. So that's the first thing, to do things for Jesus, to do things with Jesus in our community. The second way that we can do good is to serve Jesus by ministering to others as though we were ministering to him personally. We consider that the people that we're serving and ministering to are Jesus himself. Whatever we do is done to Jesus personally. And this is a teaching that Paul gave to the Ephesian Christians. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 to 8. You listen to this. Slaves or servants. You must obey your earthly masters. Show them great respect and be loyal to them as though you are to Christ. Try to please them at all times and not just when you think they are watching. You are 
servants. You are slaves of Christ. So with your whole heart, you must do what God wants you to do. Gladly serve your masters as though they were the Lord himself and not simply people. You know that you'll be rewarded for any good things you do, whether you're slaves or free. That's powerful. Whatever you do, you do it as though it's for the Lord. Mother Teresa is an icon of Christian service and the secret of Mother Teresa's ministry was that when she was looking into the face of the sick and dying people that she served, she would begin to search and look for the face of Christ in that person. And she would serve them as though they were Christ. My word, it makes a transformation in your life and your service when you think of doing stuff for people as though they were Christ. And that's the Bible teaching. Do everything as though it was for him. Transform our service. As an experienced minister, I was once asked to be on staff and serve another minister who hadn't had the same experience that I had and he didn't write a job description. He probably thought, well, you already know what to do. Just do it. But a job description is important to me. I need to know what I'm expected to do. So I wrote my own job description. Just a one-liner. It was this. To make this man look good. My job, and for three years, I made him look good. I ran alpha programs and citywide prayer meetings and uh, all kinds of organizations for him. My job, make this man look good. We serve others as though we were serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Other practical ways that you can do it. Um, when I'm on an international flight, uh, you've, many of you have done this and you've gone into the bathroom and it's a bit of a mess I always leave the bathroom and on an international flight as though Jesus is the next person that's going to use it sometimes it takes a little time <laughs> but I tidy it up and have it looking really nice I do it as though Jesus is the next person who's going to use that bathroom and whenever we leave um, motels, Irene is always washing the dishes and putting them away and doing everything she can as, as, as though the attendants, the servers, the cleaners are Jesus. Does everything except the things they have to do. And um, at a cafe, she stacks up the plates and tidies up. And they're just, a, just amazing. So we need to practice this kind of thing when dealing with service personnel, checkout operators. Uh, I heard a testimony at Activate a couple of weeks ago where somebody says they always go to the same checkout operator, have a conversation with them, find out about the family and holidays and things like that. Always goes back again, just befriending them, treating them as, and serving them with good counsel, with good encouragement. 
We can do that. Good acts. And we practice pay it forward. Pay it forward. And acts of random kindness. We, we practice random kindness and senseless acts of beauty. Isn't that good? That's Christians. Let me tell you a funny story that happened to us a couple of weeks ago. Um, Irene and I went to the veggie shop down here at Fairfield and outside on the shops on the pavement there was a middle-aged woman sitting on the pavement counting out a few small coins and when we came out from our shopping she was still there so after packing the car with our bags I went back to her I said sweetie is there, is there anything that I can do for you I want a pie okay what kind of a pie would you like um, cheese and mints so I went and I bought the pie for her and I gave it to her and she thanked me and went back to the car and as Irene and I were driving away we saw her still sitting on the pavement outside the shops feeding the pie to the birds <laughs> and Irene observed now we know how the Father in heaven feeds the birds of the air so that they won't go hungry. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 we do these things. We do these things not for a reward or for recognition. I mean, we're always doing good deeds and showing favours and being kind. Not, not for a reward for those things. Uh, nor do we do it necessarily because people deserve it or even if they don't deserve it. We do these things because of who we are. We are Christians. We serve Jesus. We do these things because of who we are. We do it for him. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. You see, there is a reward. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Hey, this is good news. Whenever we do our work as though it was for God, then we have two rewards. Our employers will pay us. They should pay us well for what we've done. And then the Lord will say, hey, I saw what you were doing, and you did it as though it was for me. And I'm going to reward you for it. So That's amazing. Two rewards for the same job. Two lots of payments. Would you turn to somebody and say, wow, that's a double payment. <laughs> uh, today I want to provoke you to good works. To show the goodness of God. That's our theme this year. The goodness of God. And uh, Hebrews has the scripture, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Inspire, encourage, provoke one another to love and good works. So I want you to think of your resources, begin to identify them, and I want you to identify some of the needs that are up on the PowerPoint there. Because we're going to read through each of those and we're going to respond. So you'll see on that page.
PowerPoint, a whole list of different things. Some of you will identify with them, some of them you didn't care about. So you don't have to worry about those. But we're going to read through these and we're going to preface each one with as long as there is we'll say it in my world I have a job to do. Alright, we're going to add that. As long as there is in my world I have a job to do. So let's start off with the first one, shall we? As long as there is a hungry or thirsty person in my world, I have a job to do. All right, some volume, please, all right? As long as there is someone homeless or naked in my world, I have a job to do. As long as there is someone with a diseased mind or sick body, I have a job to do. As long as there is someone estranged or in prison, in my world, I have a job to do. As long as there is a forsaken child, widow or old person in my world, I have a job to do. As long as there is an uneducated mind in my world, I have a job to do. As long as there is an, an endangered species in my world, I have a job to do. As long as there is racial harmony and discrimination in my world, I have a job to do. As long as there is brokenness and addictions in my world, I have a job to do. As long as there is injustice, violence and oppression in my world, I have a job to do. And everybody on the next two. As long as there are demons and devils in my world, I have a job to do. As long as there's a non-Christian without Jesus in my world, I have a job to do. We've got a job to do. Would you like to turn to somebody and say, God has got a job for you to do. So I want to provoke you to good works. Provoke you to love and to do good works. You know, once it was part of our uniform group values to, to encourage service. For example, when I was growing up, our, our scout motto was, be prepared. And, uh, and the scout law was, always do my best. Think of others before myself. And do a good turn every day. Some of you guys will remember that. Do a good turn every day. So what about it? Can we commit ourselves to doing good? Expressing Jesus into our world? That when we meet somebody without a smile, we'll give them one of ours? When you meet somebody without a smile, give them one of yours. The Bible teaches that before you were born, you were destined to achieve great things. You were designed to add value to your world. That's what God wanted you to do. And there are huge possibilities waiting for each one of us. But the Bible also teaches that, that the personal fulfillment of all that comes only with a relationship back with our Creator. Because God loves what He's invested in us. And what he put in us, he wants to see brought to fulfillment so that his purposes on our world will be fulfilled. 
God highly appreciates you. He loves you. He knows the potential in you. He wants that to be actualized. He wants it to be activated. And if you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, this morning is your opportunity to get your life connected back to your Creator, back to the God who loves you, back to the Lord Jesus who died to save you, so that you might know the fulfillment of God's destiny in your life. And I'm going to pray a prayer. I want you to repeat after me each phrase of the prayer, all of us. And for those who make it the first time that they've ever prayed to God and asked Jesus to become their saviour from the penalty of their sins, to make him the Lord of their lives, I want you to indicate that to me afterwards. But shall we pray together, all of us together now? Dear Father in heaven, good and loud, I come to you today and thank you for choosing me and loving me and sending your son to earth to show me what you are really like and to die on the cross for my sins. I'm sorry for the wrong things I have done. And ask you to please forgive me. I'm finishing with those things. And want to make a new start. Lord Jesus. Please come into my life. And change me forever. I want to live for you and follow you. And be the person you want me to be. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Renew my mind. And show me what you want me to do. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I accept your forgiveness. And confess that you are now my Lord. Amen. Now if you've prayed that prayer for the first time. You've asked Jesus to be your saviour and you want to make him your Lord you want to partner with him in fulfilling your purpose in life if it's the first time you've made that decision would you like to look up at me and just indicate it wave your hand catch my attention in some way so that I can identify and pray with you I'm looking across the congregation now if there's anybody just catch my attention just give a slight wave of your hand Looking down at the back section now. And right across the congregation. I trust that I can rejoice that all of us here are committed to the Lord Jesus. That we seek to glorify Him. And that in our lives of doing good works... God will be pleased. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your call in our lives. Thank you for the investment that you've already made in us with the wonderful gifts and talents. Thank you that you designed us to achieve a purpose for your glory. And we're praying now that every one of us will get an understanding of the good works that you planned for us to do long before we were ever born and to partner with you in changing our world and glorifying you.
We pray that you'll do all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And God bless you all. Let's give Pastor X a hand. That was awesome. We're going to sing together one last time, but just uh, a reminder, there's giving stations on the way out through both, so uh, church, be purposed in our giving, and also if you'd like to have prayer uh, after the song, come forward, Uh, there'll be a prayer team up the front that would love to pray for you. Pastor Ray is going to be speaking at the 6pm service tonight, so it's going to be fantastic, so I encourage you guys, I encourage everyone to make it out tonight and to hear that. But have a fantastic week. Be blessed. Share God's goodness. And uh, won't you all stand as we finish with a song?
That 